0: You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at our website, depietro.com. It's Friday. Happy Friday. It's sunny Friday, March 3rd, as we are making our way through. You know, folks, you can't complain. There's snow on the ground, but a lot of it is melting, and it has been such a uh, nice, mild winter, which is tremendous. And when you think about it, so Monday is March 6th. And that means two weeks to spring. After that, and then the the nice, nice time of year around here really kicks in. I want to um touch on obviously the, you know, the Murdoch guilty verdict came came in last night. Um, I was out last night. There's um, still tends to be it's just bizarre on the roads. But I, I want to touch on there, there's there's something going on right now that what's happening in the Rhode Island schools? What's happening in the Rhode Island public schools? it's it's really disgraceful it truly what exactly what what is happening with how we treat children in the rhode island public school system they're not valued a lot of talk about it but they they continually allow unsafety measures i covered that protest it was in 2021, it was almost two years ago now, but Black Lives Matter at the Providence Public Schools, get the cops out of the schools. Counselors, not cops, you know, ranting on and on. You have in North Kingstown, the naked fat coach. You had people, you had a, you know, a radio person, someone that has, is on a station with a large reach, defending the actions, doing a soft, trying to do a soft defense oh i'm not defending it i'm just saying i wouldn't have thought it was a big deal that i have to get naked in a closet with this guy as he touches my groin area for no reason no benefit zero save me the whole business of oh yeah you need to check the body fat of a 15 year old or a 14 year old and then we even found possibly a 13 year old absolutely a joke but nothing has been done governor mckee what has he done to improve the providence public schools they took over nothing and i fully get it most people listening to me right now anyone with an option you wouldn't send your child to a school in providence not if you had an option if you just arrived in the country and you were living here illegally or you were in incredible poverty living on state assistance and government assistance and you didn't either a care maybe you're uneducated or you just didn't have the effort or whatever but i suppose compared to some of the schools in south america it's an american school they're learning english they feed them breakfast they feed them lunch but then what's the price outside of that what has governor mckee done to improve the providence public schools zero he signed a contract. What's unusual about it is how large the district is with a very powerful union, as we've talked about. Speaking of unions, look in the city of Warwick assistant principal, Tollgate High School, arrested DUI, nothing sent out to the parents. Obviously, in Warwick, and we'll play it the member of the school committee. So you have the assistant principal at Tollgate and then a member of the school committee. Not only arrested a, a, a messy DUI arrest, but then to compound matters, assaulting a Warwick police officer. Who's her attorney in court? A rep, Jason Knight, Captain Creep. Hey, I get it. She's entitled to a defense. That's part of our legal system. But at no point in it to someone mine, ah, I don't know. I'm an elected rep. I don't know if I want to be in court with someone drunk, driving, assaulting a police officer. And then we have this Providence teacher just arrested, charged with child molestation. I noticed the union's really silent on this this morning. I noticed a lot of the union supporters, meaning the Providence teacher union, other teacher, all really quiet. Boy, they've been chirping a lot lately. They don't like that education commissioner. How did this guy... How did this happen? You have all these children of poverty. Let's face it. If you're at a school in Providence, a public school in Providence, you are not well off. There's a selected few that go to classical, and classical is not what it once was. Not even close. Police have arrested a Providence middle school teacher, charged him with child molestation, two female students accused of inappropriately touching them now coming up later we're going to have this guy was in east providence this has been going on for a long time why was he protected why was joseph tenno 51 years old black male was he why was he protected is it because of that two counts of second degree child molestation math teacher essex hopkins middle school it's over near um, Charles Street Branch Avenue, northern part of the city. Placed on leave in December, following the allegation from the first student. Police say officers initially responded to the Providence Public Middle School, December 8th. Sixth grade girl. Sixth grade. Makes her either right around 11 and 12. Normally. Right in that age age range. Could be twelve right could he could be 13 12 13 right in that area inappropriately touched her sixth grade two days later when interviewed by doctors the girl recounted he had stroked her here and told her you look like your mother the when asked how how do you know my mother the girl teno told her this is the 51 year old black male providence teacher arrested all Puerto Rican women have a look. Girl said he later touched her thigh. She could feel his genitals pushing up against her left thigh and knee through his clothes. Girl later asked her friends why her teacher would do something like that. And they told her he's done he's done that to a lot of girls. Why, why is this being tolerated? I've heard they look the other way. Why was he given an emergency teaching certificate other than it pays higher? Providence Public School Department placed him on leave. Officers called to school again a month later. Second girl came forward saying Tenno inappropriately touched her. Eighth grade student this time. Unwanted attention began in November. Tenno started calling her, you're fine. Look at you, how you're bad and sexy. girl said Tenno later joined in on her gym class, tried to hug her, touch her breasts over her clothing. When she pulled away, she told doctors, oh girl, come on. Later in a classroom setting, the girl said Tenno came up behind her, pressed up against her backside, suggested he was sexually aroused at the time. On a separate occasion, the girl said, Tenno told her, I would marry you. And there were several times he would look at her, bite his lip, and grab his genitals. Teacher at a Providence Middle School. When asked what she wanted to happen to Tenno, the eighth grader told doctors, I just don't want him working at the school with kids. He was arraigned in Providence District Court, released on personal recognizance. Uh, Channel 12 checked his address, phone listed number for him, disconnected. The address he listed is a work warehouse. It's not a residence. Nice to know they check on that. According to the Rhode Island Department of Education, he received an emergency one-year certification on September 20th. Teach middle school math. When they can't find a certified teacher to fill the job, that's when they do that. Providence Public School spokesperson said he'll remain on administrative leave pending the outcome. We take these allegations, Stafy our students extremely serious. Oh boy, you can tell. Sure do. What an absolute disgrace! Well, and I bet it's time to drag out the pictures of the falling tile, broken chair. They do not care at all. These kids are absolutely. They have groomers in the schools. They have pedophiles in the schools. They have child molestation, child molesters in the schools. And the Providence, and not only, that's not just Providence, it's statewide. The Rhode Island public school system is broken. The Rhode Island public school system is broken. The Rhode Island public school system should be broken up. It's not working. There's no accountability. They attract the wrong people. It's Friday. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. 1524 atwood avenue in johnston that's right in the atwood medical center and also 5750 post road east greenwich online at admedurgentcare.net we're speaking with our legal expert its attorney tim Dunn well tim rupert murdoch took the stand and i just don't remember my memory of when a news organization in the form of a fox news channel and the pound that they are taking right now uh Murdoch seemed pretty candid with uh the way the talent you and I have discussed this case this is the Dominion lawsuit still seems like a high bar they, they're zeroing in on some of the personalities um at the Hannity show Tucker Carlson Laura Ingram I think Judge Janine. we've we've been you and I've been talking about 2020 um but I you know you, you they just there while, well, I want to hear your thoughts on how you think this suit is going, Dominion and Fox News channel.
1: Well, it's going very well for Dominion. yeah, it's going very poorly for Fox, and you're right. Rupert Murdoch was about Murdoch was about as candid um, as a defendant for a corporation could be expected to be. Um, the, the narrative that seems to be coming out of this is that Hannity, and Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram, all knew that the uh, story put being put out by the Trump people—that the election was stolen and there were problems with the Dominion election software—that it was all a false narrative. However. Because Fox was losing viewership to Newsmax, right. yes. that Fox thought that before they lost their audience, which was largely conservative and had been traditionally uh, Trump supporters, uh, when Fox started to even question um, whether the Trump narrative was phony. Um, and viewers were getting um, upset with Fox and leaving Fox. And even President Trump was telling people to, to watch Fox <laughs> he News. He did. It,
0: it, it started election night when they called Arizona for Biden. And then Rupert Murdoch, Tim Dodd, to his credit, said, you know, we actually fired the guy that allowed that to happen. We thought that would pacify it. But that suddenly shifted the tide. And for those that remember, 20, 2020 November, Fox News was under un- – under unprecedented attack, and suddenly it's like they felt the, you know, the the seas moving out from underneath their feet, and they were, were scrambling to hold on to the audience.
1: Right. So they doubled down on the stolen election narrative, and apparently, what is been uncovered that's tremendously in Dominion's favor is behind the scenes, Tucker Carlson would say that, you know, Sidney Powell's a nutcase. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, Hannity would say that he's disgusted with the Trump team. Yeah. And basically and they Rudy, knew.
0: Giuliani, is, like they were saying, has gone totally nuts. And they it's... were all weighing in, knowing that what they were spewing was just. And I also just want to be very clear to the listeners. This is not about voter registration. This is not about mail ballots. What people need to understand is it was allowed that there were certain individuals pushing that Demetri <coughs> had rigged the machines and they were clicking Trump votes to become Biden votes. So people can argue about mail ballots or people voting twice. That's this is far more Tim Dodd than this. This was basically saying the machines had rigged the election and stolen the election. And granted, Sidney Powell was saying that, but it was never proven that any of that
1: happened. But where where Fox as a defendant corporation gets in trouble is that it's evident that Tucker Carlson and Hannity knew when they were on air, what they were putting forth was false information and Mm. they were doing so to preserve their audience. Right. Um, So they're up there knowing that there was no theft of the election uh, off air and behind the scenes, acknowledging there was no theft of the election and that people like Rudy and Sidney Powell were crazy um, and going on air and saying just the opposite and um, selling that story and selling that narrative. Now that gets into the area. Where you have cases for libel or slander or defamation, if what you said was knowingly false, then you get into trouble. And here, what these um, hosts of these shows were doing was putting out information that they knew or reasonably knew or knew or reasonably should have known to be false information. And what's being found out through the discovery process makes it clear that Hannity and um, Carlson and um, uh, Laura Laura Ingram Ingram knew that what they were saying was false. And they continued to pitch that story night after night after night. And their stories night after night after night held Dominion up to public ridicule and scorn. Dominion can sh- I likely show that they lost um, contracts, that oh, they yeah. lost accounts, that they lost states, that they lost business in other countries. Right. It's a billion-dollar lawsuit. Yeah. you know, Fox is looking at the potential of a, a, an award, or if they ever try to settle this thing, it's going to be north of a billion dollars to get rid of this from Fox's Oof. perspective. Right. And Fox is um, now hunkering down because this is in litigation. They're not really discussing it much on their no. air. Even no. like on the Sunday show, one of the I, Howard of, Kurtz huh. want to let me talk about it. And Howard Kurtz is <laughs> one of right. the better analysts and straight shooters. Um, who just calls balls and strikes, and he, he announced does. that they won't well, let me talk about it. Right. Yeah. um The the ironic thing is, there's a mainstream media pile on. Yeah. Isn't this 100%. awful? Fox is it doomed. Is. Fox yep. is scurrilous. Fox is yeah. this and that, and and Fox deserves all the negative press that it's getting. However. It once again shows, in my view, somewhat the um, uneven playing field that we've got here. Right. Where where was this sort of deep dive into sure. the whole Russian um, conspiracy? Right.
0: Absolutely.
1: Nothing but, was said about that. No. The Hunter Dodd, Biden what, story. Nothing, no, nothing, understand. nothing.
0: Well, what so, about Tim Dodd? Because the, 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 there are people listening right now again folks with so legal expert, for Tim Dodd, because I get the email. And they're insisting, you know, I am I'm entitled to my opinion, and in my opinion, the election was stolen. That that's that's not what this is. What you have text messages, these hosts saying, Boy, this is crazy, it's a mess, but we better just keep up the charade, you know, that the because, Easter bunny yeah, be, brought be, the be, chocolates because otherwise newsmax is on the rise. And I think Rupert Murdoch saying, Boy, I wish our people like were stronger and have more confidence in said we're just we're going to withstand the tide but that that is not what happened and newsmax november 2020 they did have the biggest month ever and and it was bashing of fox and the whole thing so but tim dot it's still a hurdle to try to prove um or you tell me i mean this this doesn't sound promising for fox news channel
1: no and to to go back to the point you were just making tucker carlson would say we're losing viewership. Our ratings right. are tanking. Look at our stock price. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: boy. So
1: that, when t- you're looking at that, <laughs> yeah. and now you're coming out with a false story mm. um, to retain viewers who are largely Trump supporters, to maintain your stock price, and arguably to maintain your job, and you're putting out a false story um, that you know to
0: be false. That you
1: know to be false. And it, right. you're right. Many, many of your viewers were, still believe in their heart of hearts that the election was stolen. Exactly. And the old adage is you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. And the yeah. facts have simply not borne out the narrative. No. I think no. a lot of people wanted to believe the election was stolen, couldn't understand how Trump could have lost to this guy. But the fact of the matter is it happened. And um, Fox completely went in the tank to continue this narrative of a stolen election to retain its viewers, to maintain its stock price, and they're getting caught. The facts are yeah. coming out Right. To clearly show that what they did was intentional and purposeful, and that they did it despite the fact they knew that what they were reporting or talking about was completely wrong information.
0: Wow. And one more thing, Tim, died. actually two more points. Number one, I want to go back to, I'm sure that when Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, they were all in a in a group chat, um, I'm sure none of the three ever thought those texts would see the light of day. And then boom, you know, there it is. I, I also... I cannot imagine that Hannity, Tucker Carlson, Laura, Ingram, Judge Janine that I there's no way they wanna to have to enter a courtroom and get sworn under oath and start to explain away. But I, I did want to remind people, as someone said to me, if if Fox is in the middle of a category three hurricane, Newsmax <laughs> Newsmax was going doubling down and kept it going through, you know, November, December to January. They were outdoing Fox. they they're by no means Tim Dot out of the woods.
1: No, they're not out of the woods, no. but obviously if for, for the bashing of Fox that's occurring now with the rest right. of the media, yeah. Fox is the dominant player. 100%. So yes. there's yeah. the more of a motivation to right. take the Fox down a few pegs. There's not yeah. as much juice to be no. had in taking newsmack down a few pegs.
0: No. And if they can take down Fox. Sure. I don't see you know how newsmax is is gonna hold. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead, our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePetro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs, call them 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane Heating and Cooling in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 folks you are listening to the john dipetro show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's a.m. 1380 99.9 FM, you can always listen online at the website, debetro.com. Joining us right now, he is a columnist with the Boston Globe, focuses primarily on Rhode Island, it's Dan McGowan. And Dan McGowan, let's start off with all eyes around Congressional District 1, and we will talk about that. But you have an interesting profile on the new freshman congressman, soon to be senior representative, but that is on Congressman Seth Magaziner.
2: Yeah, you know, I asked him, I wanted to talk to him and kind of ask him, like, have you pinched yourself yet that like, you know, you thought you were going to be in Congress with Cicilline, who's a little bit larger than life, and you're, you're always going to have to kind of play second fiddle uh, to him. And I think he's actually, I think he's really excited for that ability to potentially take on some of the issues that Cicilline took on to kind of strike his own path in, into some great. You know, he, he downplayed the idea that, you know, this is like an overwhelmingly big kind of leadership change, but he was telling me that, you know, he, as he's come to understand it over the last week since the Sicilian announcement, which he was not, you know, he, he did not get uh, a heads up on any time, you know, uh, prior to this. So he was as surprised as anybody by the announcement, um, you know, for, for several months, uh, while Cicilline, you know, when he officially resigned, Seth Magaziner, you know, as he understands it, thinks his office is going to have to really take on, you know, kind of both the first and, and second congressional districts, you know, when it comes to constituent questions, things like that. So, you know, he's kind of getting a little bit geared up for that. One of the most interesting things that he said to me um, was, he thinks this this race and the, the delegation should be a little more diverse. Of course, what he means by diverse is a person of color or a democratic woman. He obviously wouldn't support a uh, you know a Republican who was a woman or a person of color. Um, I think that says a lot about kind of the what he experienced on the campaign trail last year. That was a... you know what, a talking point, but one that was, I think, kind of overlooked in a lot of ways because, he was, you know, very much considered the strongest candidate of the democratic field on that side. But, you know, even he says, I'd like to see uh, a little more diversity there. He says he's not going to endorse in the race. Um, and he isn't yet sure, you know, what he really wants to take on. Like he, he, he was telling me that he's kind of battling with what are the issues that he can kind of inherit from both, Congressman Langevin and Congressman Cicilline and what are the issues he can kind of, you know, focus on uh, for himself. You know, the example that he gave me, I didn't, didn't make the column, but he, he said, you know, the, the, the push for you know, even more kind of uh, marriage equality or, or equality rights. He said, you know, that that probably fits for someone who is gay or, you know, or transgender or something like that more so than him. So he understands kind of passing that off a little bit. Um, but, you know, he does see this as that opportunity. You know how that delegation can be, John. You know, the, Generally speaking, Jack Reed is known for bringing the money home. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sheldon's kind of a, the environment. Sheldon Whitehouse is kind of the environmental guy. Jim Langevin was always the guy who was, you know, who, who I think both sides of the aisle really liked. He was kind of quiet. A lot of people said he was the workhorse in a lot of ways. And Cicilline, he was a little bit of the showman. Uh, And and I think Seth Magaziner kind of wants to figure out his own way to, to, to make it. um, But, you know, he will in fact be the senior congressman, you know, the the minute that a, um, you know, somebody gets elected from that first district.
0: Dean McGowan, how is it for you talking to him? Because you did write that every morning when (laughs) he gets up and looks in the mirror, he sees himself as governor. Um, And then you, you do Lincoln. I'm just wondering. You know, how does he act towards you? Does he bring it up? Do, do they kind of, you know, in the end, say, like, we told you so. But how does that dynamic go?
2: It's really funny. I mean, John, you're you're as uh, combative of journalist as anybody I know. So yeah. you've dealt with this for a long time. And, and truthfully, people handle this very differently. I'll give you, before I talk about him, I, you know, my first kind of major job in Rhode Island, you know, really day to day, was covering Angel Tamera as the, yeah. the former mayor of Providence. And uh, Angel Tavarez uh, remembers every word that yeah. has ever been written about him. Uh, he's a guy who will bring up in conversation, even now, will say, oh, remember that time that you, you know, wrote this and, you know, I thought this was wrong or I thought this was right when you said this. Uh, you know, Southern Magazine is interesting. I mean, it, it's out there. He knows uh, what I wrote. You know, I joke with him a little bit. I, in fact, I even said, as like an icebreaker in this conversation that we had, I was like, other than you know, telling people that that Dan McGowan's opinion doesn't really matter, what would you say? You know, I think he has a little bit of a sense of humor. He understands the the point uh, to some degree that I was trying to make, Uh, you know, in just saying, this is a guy who worked for years and years and years to be the governor, right? He he actually took the time to understand the state government. And then, didn't, So, you know, he didn't like it. His team, certainly when they won, you know, was very much willing to kind of rub it in my face. But, you know, it is what it is. There's going to be good columns. There's going to be bad columns. So I think, he, you know, he's a bit of a grown up. I'm a grown up. We can kind of move on. But yeah, it's always going to be out there. He, certainly his family will never forget that I wrote something like that. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> There's no way Governor McKee is sitting down for that interview <laughs> if you would written of him. dim Gowen, one thing, though, I do want to uh, just kind of push back on with Congress. You know, his Seth magazine is saying, well, you know, obviously we'd like to see a little more diversity. Hey, if he had either A, Alan Fung and one, you'd have that. If B, Sarah Morgenthau or Joy Fox would run, it's just a little rich now that he's part of the delegation. You have three white males saying – you know, we should get some more diversity here now that I'm part of the club.
2: I, I pointed out that that sort of, uh, you know, irony to him, and, and he understands that, you know, I think what you're seeing from a lot of the the, the whispers of a lot of the candidates in the CD1 race are, are kind of, you know, the, the view is always, well, if not me, you know, let's say, if not me, you know, blanket white man, then then yes, of course, we should have a person of color, or yes, of course, we should have, you know, a Democratic woman, there, there is some undertones to that. I'll take him at his word. I think because he's there, because he doesn't have to worry about it, sure. Why not elect a woman? Why not elect a person of color? But yes, absolutely. It, it, you know, it, it, it is rich when it's coming from, you know, generally the three white men in the delegation. And even Cicilline, the person leaving, has said, you know, I want some more diversity. But, you know, no one was willing to step aside at any
0: point. No, no. That's interesting for someone that's leaving. Now, Dan McGowan, speaking of CD1, <clears throat> where do you see the race? Right now, Helena folks uh, certainly circling. Sabina Matos, no announcement. Peter Narona is out. I still think he was an interesting possibility. He didn't rule it out at first. But, Dan McGowan, I think the real dynamic here is if, if Speaker Joe Sakachi decides to, to jump into this race. We've, we've never seen a sitting speaker go for higher office. When they walk into the State House, they're the king. Everywhere around Rhode Island, they're circles, they're the king. But this would be the first time for for Joe Sakachi to, you know, figure out is 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 the power real or is it the Emperor has no clothes?
2: Right. Well, I think what you're gonna what you're gonna see is I think one of the top two top tier candidates, meaning Shikarchi or Kalina, folks. When I say top tier for folks, you know, really what I mean is either name recognition or money or some combination of both. Both of those two have a clear leg up on any other potential candidate in this yep. race uh, when it comes to those things. Obviously, folks coming off a relatively successful um, yes. you know campaign, and, and Joe Shikarchi being, as you said, kind of the most powerful guy um, out there. The, the interesting thing, people. For the, for the last seven days, last eight days, and everybody was quick to kind of write off Speaker Shikarchi because the idea being, why would you go from being super powerful to very, you know, having very little influence in Washington? And I think I said this to you last week. One thing I've been saying to people all week, though, is Joe Shikarchi. Kind I think he looks at the congressional delegation. He grew up in a time in Rhode Island politics, and that was royalty. Yes, those four spots. Yep. Are really important. He's a guy who cares deeply about his legacy. As corny yes. as that sounds, Joe Shikarchi, is—he's an old school politician in that way. He—he, he, and so I do think he has a certain reverence for you know the delegation and potentially being down there. That yeah, sure, you're you're the big deal in the state house among let's say a gang of five hundred, whether it's lawmakers, lobbyists, you know, or policymakers, um, but. You're not. You're not David Cicilline. You're not even Seth Magaziner at this no. point. Uh, and so I think he understands that. That's why I think he's taking you know a really serious look at it. He is a guy who plays it incredibly safe. You know, he yep. his first election uh, to the state. I remember this was a guy who was always rumored. Is he going to run for mayor of Warwick? Is he going right. You know, run for treasurer someday. He ends up becoming a state representative with no election or no real election. So he kind of walks into the seat. He bided his time. He raised money. Uh, he never made a move on Nick Mattiello when he was the number two. Nope. And then, no and it,
0: scandals.
2: That's right. And then it kind of falls into his lap. He becomes a speaker. He's a popular guy. You know, I talked to him last summer, though. He's a guy who doesn't like conflict. He didn't like having opponents both from the left no. and the right last year. And so... You know, I'm of two minds with him. On one hand, this is as free of a chance as you're ever going to get to get to That's Congress. right. Um, and on the other hand, it won't be a completely free chance. You are not going to get to go to Congress with no opponent whatsoever, and he may just not like that. But you know, I think he is very serious. I think Helena Folks is very serious. The thing I'm yes. the thing I'm really surprised about in talking to you know a lot of these kind of second and third and fourth tier people who want to do this. I'm surprised by how um, scared off by Helena folks they are. Yeah. Uh, Just because I I think you could make the case, look, we all agree. She, you know, she had two more weeks. She probably would be our governor right now. Yeah. But she also, you know, she did lose to Dan McKee in a Democratic primary. It's not like she, you know, has this sterling record for legislative or for success in politics. And so, you know, if I was a, any number of these kind of, these, state rapid state Senate you know people who who potentially want to do this uh, especially if I was I think quite frankly a person of color I think I would look at this and say well sure she'll have a all the money but I, there's a there's a scenario here where maybe I get some labor support maybe I build some momentum you know she is beatable in some ways but everybody everybody is waiting to see what the top two do and then to your point the third, I think the third person kind of just below folks in Shikarchie would be a Sabina Matos, who, you know, performed very well in the first district um, during her lieutenant governor's, you know, both the primary and the general election from Providence, so she has that base. You know, her challenge is she has never been a good fundraiser. Um, you know, she never had to be as a city council person. That was relatively easy. But you know, for all the people, people forget this because she got promoted to be the lieutenant governor for Years she was talking about. I'm going to be the mayor of Providence. I'm going to be the mayor of Providence. That's right. Yeah. And and she never could raise you know very much money to actually put all of that together. So there are some holes in sort of her argument. Uh, except that you know she's she's down in Washington this week. You know, uh, hanging out with I think the head of Emily's list, and you know she's making the rounds. She certainly would be a it, it would be a credible, viable candidate. But I think fundraising is her big question.
0: Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Dan McGowan, columnist of the Boston Globe, right here on the John DiPietro show. The Kui set in. 226 Coesit Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesit Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesit Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesit Inn. You're listening to the John DiPietro Show. Folks, joining us right now from America First, Lieutenant General. It is Lieutenant General Kellogg. And General, thank you for uh, joining us on the John DiPietro Show. I'd like to just start off your assessment a year later. Where are we in this conflict with Russia invading Ukraine?
3: Yeah, John, first of all, thanks for having me. I do appreciate being on Absolutely. You. Uh, look, where you're at right now, it's it's really you're approaching a culmination point. What I mean by that is it's been a year of fighting that's gone back and forth between Ukrainians and Russians. And and right now, Russia holds about uh, 40% of the ground they originally got, the Ukrainians have fought back. And what you're going to see this year, I believe, is is offensive, spring offensive, summer offensive between the Ukrainians going after the Russians and the Russians offensive going after the Ukrainians in two different directions. You're almost in a, it's almost it's very close to a stalemate right now. Saying that, the Ukrainians have a wonderful opportunity to defeat the Russian army in the field, and it would it would create our advantage strategically because defeating a strategic adversary of the United States is not necessarily a bad thing because, right. one, it would reset Europe, for the next generation. Two, it could change the way NATO would look for the next generation as well, but primarily funding it. But most importantly, you take a strategic adversary off the board and then you pivot, which has taken us 25 years to do it, you pivot to the the largest strategic adversary we have, which is China. And, and I know that President Biden talks about him as a competitor. They're not. They're an adversary. France is a competitor. Hmm. And so it's, it, it's going to take a lot, it's going to take our efforts, the United States, to provide them with the kit that they need. We'll keep talking about what well, we don't provide them. We don't, we're sort of half, you know, giving them half measured and still rolling it. And right now, they've really taken it to the Russians pretty heavily. The Russians have lost almost all of their first line units, have been modeled badly. They've lost a majority of their very good equipment. They're in their fifth commander in the field, their senior commander. Now they're with a guy named Gerasimov. Uh, they've lost over 17 generals, uh, which is stunning when you think about it. But that's how the Russians fight. They fight with the Russian generals close to the front lines. So it, it's it's going to be uh, it's right now to toss up. Right now, I'd say if I was a betting guy, without the equipment, there's a 60-40 chance they can pull us off. If we give them the equipment, it's 90-10, they can feed the Russian army in the field. And the United States needs to give Putin an option. I mean, what I mean by that is, you know, President Biden hasn't picked up the phone and called Putin. He needs to do it. President Trump would have done it. You pick up the phone and you tell Putin, look, here's your options. You either leave Ukraine with your army intact, which you've got now, or your army will be defeated in the field by Ukrainians with our assistance because we are proxy to this war. And you probably fall. And, and your army will be, you know, basically destroyed for the next 20 years and given that option to do it because with the with our equipment the ukrainians can pull it off by the way the ukrainians don't want i was over there for about two weeks ukrainians don't want a single american soldier they do to a person they said we don't want you we don't need you what we need is your equipment and so it's going to be an interesting spring and summer uh if it goes beyond Next year, then the Ukrainians are in problem because, have a problem because then you're into what's in a military call an attrition fight. And the Russians will match them up on that because the Russians could bring in 500,000 mobilized troops. Um, and Ukrainians can't match them in a one-for-one matchup, so they've got to beat them this year. And if not, we're in for a long stalemate. And then, then, the question will be probably in 2024, well, then who lost Ukraine?
0: Folks, again, we're speaking with Lieutenant General Kellogg, former national security advisor, co-chair, America First, uh, Center for American Security. You know, General, we have that in common. Last March, actually, I spent over in that part of the world. I was in Eastern Europe. I was, uh, my camp was in Shemel, and I would cross into Ukraine in in Medica. And the Ukrainian forces and the people that I met and covered, I'll tell you, General, they were very impressive, and they were not going to just lay down their weapons to defeat
3: yeah, well, John, you know it's, I have to laugh. You go back a year. Remember, and General Milley, our chairman of the direct chief said, "Well, Kiev would fall within seven days." Well, right. Wrong answer on that one. Yeah. And and then we offered to get Zelensky out of Kiev, give him a ride out of there. And Zelensky made the comment, "I don't need a ride. I need ammunition." That's kind of a wartime leave that you want to hear. Yep. And a lot of people thought the Russians would just roll roll over. I mean, you kind of saw it when you went there. As a fact, says no. Ukrainians are very proud people. They've been independent now from the Soviet Union for over thirty-five years. Um, there, there is no love lost with the Russians. You know, people say, well, for example, when I went to the city of Kharkiv, which is the second largest city in Ukraine yeah. in the uh, the northeast, you know, they say, well, that seventy-five percent of that uh, city are Russians. No, they're not. They're russian speaking, right? But they're not Russians. No, and, and they they're, they're Ukrainians. I am, I was amazed when I drove around a city which was an amazing city because at night it was totally blacked out I mean, that's just the size of philadelphia <clears throat> being totally blacked out then on the sides of the walls were big posters of how to make molotov cocktails and they were going to fight the streets and um, and i said you know that's a city of a million and a half and you know, it would, would have been child's play uh so i i said okay they, these people want just to be left alone and the the Russians are the ones who started this. I think we, I think the President Biden made a big mistake when he said, or er, er, in a speech about a year and a half ago, he said, "Well, maybe a limited incursion is okay." That's Wrong right. That's Russians. right. That was a, a huge mistake. And then what what Putin saw in 2014 after he took Crimea, there wasn't a major reaction there were sanctions. Well, he learned from that, and he, he's got over a 600 billion dollar. Uh, reserve that he's using right now. Sanctions aren't going to hurt him at all. So he 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 actually has to be because he had, he appreciates strength. And my I was on 18 different cold calls with him with the with President Trump and Vice President Pence the White House. And wow. He does. He appreciates strength, and you have to provide strength, and you have to show him that you're not afraid of him. And. We're, we're half rolling, honestly, John, we're half rolling too many measures. You know, we're saying, well, we're not going to give you a high march, we'll give you a high march. We're not going to give you tanks, we're going to give you tanks. Oh, by the way, the tanks aren't going to show up for another six, seven months. You need to give them all this kit now, you know, sort of like in Europe right now. Give them the equipment that's there. That equipment was designed to defeat the Russians, in the actually the Soviet Union, the Warsaw Pact. Well, the Ukrainians are doing that for us. And without a single American being committed, which is, that's the acme of... of of strategic war fighting is defeat an enemy without you and you get involved except with troops it's amazing
0: folks we're speaking with lieutenant general kellogg again former national security advisor coach here america first uh for american security general where did you've been on the line with them where did putin get this wrong is it is it our intelligence is so much more superior to theirs did they underestimate the the fight of the ukrainian people it's it's just hard to fathom someone that with his background, uh, that would get it this wrong.
3: Yeah, well, first, yeah, and I said this before, John, you know, I want you know, in the U.S. military, you study what are called things called principles of war, and it's called mass and surprise and economy of force. He violated every one of them. He didn't mm. have a single principle of war right. The second thing is he underestimated the, the size, the heart of the Ukrainian military, and, oh, there's a Napoleonic axiom that the morale to the physical is three is the one. Meaning, you know, you can't ever take away a fighting spirit and heart of a, uh, uh, of, a of an army. And you see that, uh, you can even see that in sports when an underdog takes it to the, to the uh, somebody who's actually superior to him. And that's where hope upsets happen. And the third thing I think which is most important is, is he's testing presidential leadership. And he took a measure of President Biden. And, you know, I know whether people like or not look, President Biden has set a pattern. We all set patterns. You set patterns. I set patterns. I go to the service station, same one. I go to the same grocery store. I, buy, I go down the same aisles. He set a pattern. And, and that goes back to when President Obama went after Osama bin Laden. And the only guy in the situation that didn't vote for that to go with it was Joe Biden mm-hmm. and Bob Gates, who was the secretary of defense under Obama and also under Bush. And and this director of the CIA said, Joe Biden's been going on every national security event in the last four years. Now, that that's just, it's, it's obviously a criticism but putin is an old kgb officer and he measures the man and he said okay this it, we're going to watch this we saw what happened there in afghanistan we don't think that the west will come to their aid and we think we can roll over ukraine so he got a lot of things wrong but he got some of it right by the reason he went in there when again when president biden made that comment well a limited incursion he said it actually in a press conference where an limited occurs and may be okay, he just gave the green light to him. Right, And instead of turning around and saying, you know, now Mr. Putin, you know, if, if you come in, we're going to do everything we can to defeat you. And that's the way it's going to be, and you know, full stop. And we didn't do that. We should have done that early on. Now, and, and the last thing I will tell you on this, John, is, you know, President Putin... He needs to hear it from President Biden. President Biden needs to pick up the phone mm. and call Putin. He yes. hasn't called him at all. You know, one thing about President Trump. President Trump would talk to an ice cream vendor. He didn't care who he talked And I was with him on a lot of different calls. And and he needs to engage with with Putin. And he's not done it. He's doing it over the airwaves. Well, that's not how you do it on a national security. You've got to pick up that phone, one on one. Tell him this is what I expect from you. This is the way it's going to be. And hash it out over the phone. And that hasn't happened. And I think it's a huge, huge strategic mistake.
0: Folks, he is Lieutenant General Kellogg. General, thank you for joining us on the John DiPietro Show. Excellent work. Definitely going to talk to you again, especially we have some movement with Taiwan. We're going to save that for another time. But General, thank you for your service to the country. And thank you for joining us on the John DiPietro Show.
3: John, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie 401 305 3585, diagonally across from davidport Restaurant. You are listening to the John DePetro show weekdays. We start at 11, we go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website dePetro.com. Joining us right now, one of my siblings independent columnist opinion maker it is donna perry and dj i'm going to start off that it's uh hard to believe but it was essentially three years ago now when life changed and the pandemic was hitting and right from the outset we were hearing that it was somehow a leak out of wuhan and the wall street journal and a lot of people being very um critical of Dr. Fauci and others today, but the Wall Street Journal has a story that basically seemingly confirms which was the first thought and report. And it all everything seemed to point to that, but it sure seems three years later that, that this was now just your reaction to that it was essentially a leak out of a, of a lab.
4: Yes, and great to be with you, um, John. You know, it is extraordinary when you think of also, how people who were, after a while, how there was such a determination by, um, the, it, well, that was the Trump administration in the beginning, but there was such a determination by a lot of factors to just say from the beginning, as we recall, that it was an animal. I mean, we just heard that repeatedly. Um, I also think it is pretty remarkable right now to see this is their own U.S. Department of Energy. Yeah. Um, and the spin is going on. And now they're saying a low confidence, John, report. Although I think the Wall Street Journal laid that out of some of that is technical language that they use. Um, and then you see the spin from Kirby that they're now almost trying to rephrase it and move away from it, John. And they're trying to now say... Um, there's still no definitive answer. And, you know, you can't blame when they say that the conspiracy theories ran away, you know, with everything Um, on social media, John, because you do begin to say either they're protecting someone or something or, you know, I, I mean, the fact that this has to have been um you know, just detailed, investigated, which I think every American, as you say, who was put through the ringer, we all know in our own families and beyond, and friends and young people whose lives can never get back, that end of college time, that end of high school time, shut schools, shut colleges, we all know what it was um and anyone who dared to say it was no reaction um but we all deserve as Americans to have a truthful, however, wherever it leads, we have to have a truthful answer. Um, and I just find that the Biden administration, you know, they, John, they play a lot of curious games, let's face it, with China. Um, yes, and and I right. think they're afraid of China. They They decide where they're going to use some tough language, and then they kind of recoil back, right? Like, I think they feel they're in some kind of a battle with them right now and they don't want this to turn into this because the chinese have been extremely defensive about the accusation but i think if it came from a lab um and i'm not so even sure about the explanation of you know an error a lab leak john what does that actually mean right Right. (laughs) a leak could be quite intentional and i just think You know, we hear an awful lot of government language about we can never have a pandemic like that again. Well, listen, if they're sending out uh, a virus as a weapon, the American public really needs to understand that and not have this just this determination to protect China when they think they need to do that. Um, I think, John, their reaction only adds to what will be the endless speculation about the origin of it
0: you know yes um uh folks we're going to take a quick break much more ahead donna perry right here on the john dipetro show for over 125 years ameriprise financial has provided advice for clients unique goals Help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, AmeriPrize Financial, 401 434 1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for, for you through a personal, one on one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today. AmeriPrize financial advisors 401-434-1510 get solid advice get a plan whether it's for yourself you and a spouse maybe your children or grandchildren take advantage of this free consultation AmeriPrize financial 401-434-1510 call right now 401-434-1510 tom bryan AmeriPrize financial advisors to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm remember you can always listen online at our website dipietro.com folks visit the website on the website you'll see all our links to social media whether it's facebook or youtube instagram even TikTok. plus you if you want to reach me that's the best way to do it we have unique original stories videos contact log on right at the website dipietro.com Limitless Outdoors, dream, build, enjoy.